Run the Film is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million, million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The Oakland Raiders have a chance to go 6-4 and four against the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Make sure you get tickets to the Coliseum on the GameTime app. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Man, you gotta get a you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something. That's terrible. That'll kill us. You like that? You like that? I'm just about that action, boss. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. You are listening to Run the Film with Kirk Morrison and Ted Wynn, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome back, welcome back, everyone. This is the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Run the Film, your favorite podcast, alongside Ted Nguyen. I am Kirk Morrison. And we get ready to preview, look at week number 11, as we also look back at week number 10, and we also discuss our news and notes, players to watch, uh, just everything that involves NFL, me and Ted got you covered. So I hope you sit back, take a nice little listen, and enjoy what we got going. So I would say this, Ted, to start off uh, just with news and notes, because I always like to just get caught up on the news and notes as we head into week number 11 of the NFL. And I think one of the bigger ones is that there'll be a starting quarterback for the rest of the season in Washington. Dwayne Haskins finally named the starting QB. Now I'll start with this. Is this a situation in which Ted that, you know, maybe Washington is like, you know what, we just got to roll with them. Or is it just, they just have no other options. I think it's a little bit of both. They, they don't have any other options with the injuries that they have. And they, they picked Haskins in the first round and they, they have to figure out what they have with them. And uh, but I think it's also a scary situation because Haskins is not a guy that has a lot of experience. He only has one year starting in college. And um, one of his problems was that he just didn't play extremely well under pressure. And obviously with the Redskins, he's going to be under a lot of pressure this year just because they don't have a great offensive line this year. Uh, So I just hope he doesn't develop too many bad habits uh, while he's he's starting. Uh, with this particular team, but it is good to get him some experience. I just hope he doesn't um, develop too many bad habits like we've seen, like David. what happened to David Carr and with the Texans and that sort of deal. Yeah, I think the one thing that concerns me, though, is that right now Washington is just not a very good team. At 1-8, and eight, how much are guys truly buying into what the coaching staff is telling them? Because that coaching staff is just not going to be there next year. They'll finish the year out, but there's no one that you can elevate and say, okay, well, we're going to keep things the same. We're going to bring, you know, know, Callahan is not going to be, Bill Callahan is not going to be the head coach next year. I don't think you're going to bring a lot of those guys from the staff back next year. I think it's a total, you know, blow up situation. And so my only concern is having been in situations like this, Ted, is that how many guys are really playing for the guy next to him? Right. We're one and eight. We're not playing for the playoffs. You know, right now you're playing for pride, but you're doing that the last seven games of the season. No, like that's that's a lot of games to where, honestly, guys can almost do they care if they win or lose. Right. I mean, obviously, they're going to go out there and play hard. Everybody wants to win. But are you really giving that extra effort? Right. Like, man, 
my hamstring's a little tight today. Should I be out there? Should I not? So there's a lot that goes into this. And Dwayne Haskins, to me, is, is playing and learning all of this stuff and going through this, this process of the NFL. And yet everything that he learns this year can be thrown out the window. Like everything that you're learning this year, this language, right? The Washington Redskins offense of 2019 language. Well, all of a sudden you get a new head coach to throw everything that you've learned out the window or a new offense coordinator should say, throw it out the window. And so what is he going to learn this year? What does he gain? You know, remember the plan. And I always love this, right? Before the season started, what was the plan, right? Ted, oh, we're going to sit him out. We're going to just almost like a red shirt year. Same with like Daniel Jones, a lot of these quarterbacks. That always sounds good before the season starts. It always sounds good after the kids get drafted and just too much can happen in the regular season too much can happen in the, in the in the preseason and now these starters like daniel jones you obviously throw in now Dwayne haskins i just don't i i can very easily see Dwayne haskins going down the same road as dare i say it josh rosen because josh rosen has fallen off the face of the nfl right now we don't even talk about him and this was a top 10 pick just a year ago but this is what happens you get drafted to a team they bring in a new coach, you know, they're going to bring in a new offensive coordinator, new staff, and you may not fit what they want to do. And next thing you know, you're gone. Now you're just in the abyss of the NFL, Ted. And that's what I think my biggest concern with Dwayne Haskins is that he just doesn't, he may not fit with what happens next year in Washington. Oh, no, for sure. That's, that's a great point. And it just kind of goes to show how important a situation is for a quarterback to go into. I mean, yeah, you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, if he wasn't with the, I, I still think he would have been a good player, but if he wasn't with the Ravens where they completely revamped their offense and their system and their organization to uh, catering to his skills, would he be having the kind of success he would have now? It, it, it's difficult. And r- right now with Haskins, he's just kind of on his own because like you said, that staff is not going to be there next year. So he's going to have to be really um, mature about what happens this year and really try his best to uh, make the best out of the situation and learn as much as he can from it, but also be aware that uh, next year is going to be a totally different ball game for him. And he's, he's, it's almost like he has to start over again. Yeah. You got to start over wide receivers, uh, tight ends, running backs. And he just, that, that team just never really kind of panned out early on. Right. Vernon Davis really up there in years. Uh, Jordan Reed has never been able to stay on the field for a full 16, let alone half a season over the last couple of years. The running back situation has just been up and down. Um, and then, you know, I mean, obviously you got Adrian Peterson, but it was guys who was going to be in there. People forget they drafted Bryce Love. It was just it was just too much to me that was going on within the team. And you throw in Dwayne Haskins now, it's almost like just throwing them to the wolves, right? Really. Because I don't know what you can accomplish by that. And I think I'm just trying to save him. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just want to see good players, you know, have a chance to really succeed. And I think he's just going down uh, a path that hopefully he can uh, overcome. So, that's what's going on in Washington. I think the other uh, starting quarterback news is is more so an established starter who had his one of the longest streaks in NFL history broken last week. And that's Matthew Stafford, quarterback of the Detroit Lions, and we saw what the offense looked last week without him. And Jeff Driscoll went in there, you know, played about as well as he thought he could, but definitely uh, it was a drop, I would say, in talent for sure. But 
right now he's considered day to day. That 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 game against the Raiders really took its toll on Matthew Stafford um, back in week number eight, and so he's still trying to recover now. Or so that week nine, I believe it was. So Ted, he's still trying to recover, and so I don't I don't know what's what's um, you know if they don't have like Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I, I've never, you know, I've, I've heard of guys having back injuries, but when I hear fractured bones, like how, you know, serious is this? Because the the Lions right now are at three, five, and one, and this is always the situation. Uh, Matt Patricia inherited Matthew Stafford, you know, and that's the question a lot of these teams are facing now. That you're you've inherited quarterbacks and you're working with what you have, but I think everyone's always trying to figure out, man, do I need a new car? What would it look like if I got a new car right now? And you, you're like, but I got a reliable car right now. But sometimes, you know what? It fails me. The, the, sometimes it won't start. Sometimes I get a flat tire. Sometimes I just got to take it in to get serviced. But man, look at those new cars coming out of college. Man, did you see Joe Burrow? Did you see Tua? Did you see, you know, uh, Justin Herbert? And I think that's the question that some teams are going to have to face. And right now I'm saying that because Matt, Matt Stafford Right now, with the Lions at three, five, and one, if they don't win this week against Dallas Cowboys, it, do you shut a guy like that down, or you allow him to continue to play, or is he in your future plans at quarterback? If I'm Matt Patricia, that may be my lifeline, and say I'm going to draft a quarterback, a guy who I want to mentor and and hopefully, you know, take us to the next level, like we're seeing over in Baltimore. Like I think that's what's going to hurt guys like Matthew Stafford. So I'm just saying, I know it's a week-to-week injury, but if it's a, a serious injury, one in which, you know, it was a decision that he had to make between him and the doctors, you know, what is the long-term effects? Now, we're in that point in the season, Ted, where it's like long-term effects, right? It's not short-term. Like, I'm looking like you get injured now, it's either IR, and if you go on IR now, a lot of times you may be done with that team. Yeah, no, I, I think Stanford, he wants to play. Um, but obviously the Lions have to kind of protect him from himself if that injury could potentially get worse if he, if he plays. So um, really don't know when he's going to play again. But I thought Stanford did a pretty good job this year in Bevel's offense. And um, I think he played well enough to where you could say, all right, we could move on. with uh, We could use Stanford's a definite building block in Patricia's plan. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, he, unless he wants to blow the whole thing up and then really start over again. But I, I really felt like the Lions were moving in the right direction. It's just they just don't have a lot of talent defensively, and they are pretty banged up defensively too. And when you want to play man coverage, uh, it's hard to do that without the, without the um, the guys that you know, without the defensive backs that can run. Um, so they they're in a, a bit of a strange spot where they can maybe try to continue building on what they want to build, uh, what they have so far, and it, it might work. Or they, they might be in a spot where they, they might want to blow everything up. But uh, based on what I've seen, I, I think the Lions can build on what they have this year. But they they need a big defense, big time defensive upgrades. And uh, I think Stafford will be the guy moving forward. Um, and I think he's played well enough this year to, to warrant that. Yeah, I, I would say I'm still in, in, in between on that one. I'm looking around at these other teams who've got the younger quarterbacks right now, and um, you're saying, man, <laughs> this looks fun. And we are able to go out and, you know, sign guys in free agency, you know, get some more established players. So to me, it's this is the one thing that these general managers and head coaches have to face. So that's 
I'm always saying, let me evaluate at the end of the season right now. But if he has a situation where he may need to sit, I may just say, hey, man, let's just sit this thing out for a little bit and figure it out at the end of the year. Um, oh, last injury news, uh, last bit of injury news. And I know it's a bunch of injuries around the league and things like that, but kind of guys who we kind of consider um, you know, uh, difference makers for their team that obviously they play differently if this guy is not out there. And one is from Monday Night Football, which is Tyler Lockett. Uh, these reports is that he's okay. He had a lower leg uh, injury uh, in that overtime thriller against the 49ers. And the one thing that I would say was that, you know, he did not play in that fourth quarter um, and in overtime. And it was a big difference, a noticeable difference. But Pete Carroll saying that he is okay. I don't know what that means. Maybe he's okay in a couple weeks because the Seattle Seahawks have a bye. So I, I still believe that uh, if if, C, if the Seahawks saying that he's okay, then that means that he should be able to uh, go out there and play in a couple weeks when they I think they take on the Cardinals. Yeah, and there was there was a bit of concern just because nobody knew what, what was wrong with him and he needed immediate attention. Uh, so I'm glad to see he's okay. I, you know, obviously one of the, the mo- most underrated NFL receivers. He, he's, he just keeps making plays, but for some reason you don't hear. Uh, people talk about him when they talk about those upper Eklion wide receivers. Um, so good good to know that he is going to be fine, I think. Well, Ted, now we are uh, entering week 11, right? And so I, I asked you this question last week on the Run the Film podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. But I'll ask you again now. Week 11, where do you see the top three guys who are leading I think in the MVP race, did anything last week do anything for you? Did it sway your thinking? Did it put you uh, shift guys around a little bit? Who are your top three? Or if you want to even extend to five, you can. But who are your top three guys right now in terms of the MVP? Uh, I'll, I'll stretch it to four. I'll say okay. Russell Wilson. Obviously, you saw what he did last night against uh, the Niners just, you know, he, he threw that pick in overtime, but he, you know, he ended up winning that game. And just time and time after that, in, in that game, he made plays where only Russell Wilson can make. Um, and two, I think Lamar Jackson kind of jumped up ahead of um, uh, Deshaun Watson for me. I know Watson had a bye week, but just after watching what Jackson did to the Patriots and, uh, man, those amazing uh, plays against uh the Bengals, that, that one <laughs> long run is like one of those runs that you're just going to remember forever. Um, and um, third, Deshaun Watson. Um, and fourth, I'd say Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is, um, I think he's having a, one of his best years of his career, and he, he just keeps getting better in that offense. Wow, really, Ted? Okay. Well, I guess you are definitely not going to be filling mine. Or I'm just going to throw <laughs> you for a loop here. But I do want to give me give me, give me, me your honest opinion on how you think okay. mine plays out. I'm going to extend mine to five. I think five candidates right now who I'm watching and I'm looking at. For me, number one right now, the MVP um, to me, and I almost think that he plays just two more games and he's kind of really locked it up. To me, it's Russell Wilson. I've been saying that for the longest, man. All season long, I've been watching him play. And I even go back to last year. You take Russell Wilson off that Seahawks team, they're they're a bad football team. I mean, they're not getting to the playoffs. I think defensively they were okay, but they weren't. You know, this wasn't the defense of of yesteryear. But I, I just look at what he does every single week, and I'm watching that Monday Night Football game, which I know we're going to get to in a in a little bit here on, on the uh, Run the Film podcast. But man, I I'm watching it. I'm just like. <laughs> You can't give Russell Wilson any time. He is going to find a way. And watching what happened 
this, you know, the past Monday and then kind of moving forward and watching, uh, I'm sorry, rewinding and watching him the week prior versus Tampa Bay. It's just, again, it's like, come on, man, this dude is a magician. So he's at number one. Number two, I think it's Lamar Jackson, kind of in that same order that you have. I think Lamar Jackson right now, uh, you're watching a team in the Baltimore Ravens that have truly embraced who he is as a quarterback. They do it with their offensive coordinator as well, right, Greg Roman. So you, you, you've – and John Harbaugh, like, in watching clips of after the game, right? We watch the game, but when you watch, like, pizzas after it, you're like – the way the coach embraces him, like, man, they're all in on Lamar Jackson. And they're like, he is going to take us where we want to go. We saw it last year. He took them to the playoffs. And then again, this year, he's leading this team, you know, possibly to a conference championship if the things kind of hold up the way they are. So I'm going to put him at two, three, obviously Deshaun Watson. He didn't play last week, but Deshaun Watson to me is, is, is playing some of his best football. I feel like he's finally recovered from that ACL injury a couple of years ago that really he, he, I thought he tried to do too much last year and, and, you know, they still made the playoffs, but yet I think this year uh, he's really just to me taking his game to another level, Ted. And that's what you want to see. Like I, I've told you, I've already been in love with the way that he, you know, pretty much talks about the opposing defense he's going to go up and, you know, how he wants to attack or what they do best. And then he goes out there and plays and performs. That's why I had to put him at three. Now, this is where I think I'll throw you for a little loop here. Number four right now. Do you know who my number four guy is that no one's talking about? But if they keep winning, you got to put him in the conversation. Um, Ryan Tannehill. No, <laughs> Man, uh, no, I have no idea who Dalvin Cook of the Ooh. Minnesota Vikings, and no one said it. And I, that's what I like about it because I feel like he's been playing under the radar. I thought Sunday Night Football versus the Dallas Cowboys, you saw just a little bit, but I think people don't see it enough because we, when we talk Vikings, we always talk about Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, the defense. But when you watch Dalvin Cook and you just look at the numbers, just plain and simple. He's almost at a thousand yards rushing. He's got a 991 yards rushing, but the 10 rushing touchdowns. And you would say that's pretty good for a running back. But then you throw in the extra 40 receptions that he's got, almost 500 yards receiving on the year. And you just watch him pick up the blitz as well. He's another guy that had an injury a couple years ago, last season. You know, obviously coming back from the injury was a little bit, you know, uh, his play wasn't where I think. He would want it at, and then you see him this year, and I'm looking at week 11 going into this week, Ted. <laughs> we got to start talking more Dalvin Cook because I think it was about Christian McCaffrey, and Christian McCaffrey's there. But, man, Dalvin Cook to me, is he's he's my he's my fourth uh, on my list, and then followed by number five uh, is Christian McCaffrey. So it's these two to me. They're, they're kind of like back and forth. I put Dalvin Cook just slightly over Christian McCaffrey because of uh, I've seen a couple losses on the last couple of games. We saw San Francisco tried to stop uh, McCaffrey. He still played well, but I saw the loss last week to Green Bay. And so I'm just kind of rolling more or less the team success has really put me uh, put McCaffrey at five and Dalvin Cook at four. But it's the two backs, you know, and they're following those three quarterbacks. So that's kind of how I see the MVPs. Um, so far going into week 11. Yeah, no, I, I, I like your top five. It's just, I, maybe is this me? I just don't, 
put as much value in a running back position, even though those guys are playing amazing. It's just, you know, like quarterbacks just impact the game so, so much. And I think we've seen that more this year than, than other years. Uh, so uh, th- those guys are definitely, definitely warrant uh, some MVP attention. And you're right about Davin Cook. Not enough people are talking about him, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll go over that Dallas-Minnesota game. But man, that, that guy is just so smooth and just, he breaks so many arm tackles that uh, you're right. He, he's extremely productive and extremely valuable to the offense. Yeah, that's uh, it's gonna be fun to watch this thing down the stretch and how these guys continue to perform. And especially when you start looking at teams who are getting ready for the playoffs. Hopefully, they don't rest any guys. We want to see them play to the end. But uh, yeah, that's that's how we see the MVP kind of race going for right now. That's been the news and notes. But now we get ready to uh, preview last week's games, week number ten in the National Football League here on the Run the Film podcast on the Athletic podcast network and ted i'll start with the first game that we wanted to review it was the i guess comeback game or the first game back for patrick mahomes the kansas city chiefs they go down to uh, tennessee take on the titans and it was i mean mahomes had an exceptional day but but at the end the kansas city chiefs we can call it an upset we're upset by the tennessee titans 35 to 32 well, I think that's what it comes down to is the quarterback, making guys believe that if they do their job, we're going to score. If we protect, and if we run great routes, and that's the quarterback's job is they, they raise everybody's level of um, performance. Um, just a back-and-forth game, but when you watch, uh, really watch and sat down and break this game down, Ted, what's the biggest thing for you that, stuck, that stood out? Well, a few things. I mean, it, the Titans aren't a bad defense. but. Right. The you know the the Patrick Mahomes just he he just makes made him look terrible. I mean he he passed for 446 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, um, and this is a you know through for through for 70. percent This is his first game back from a, a major uh, knee injury, and um, and just watching Tyreek Hill, man, that guy is just incredibly fast. He made Adoree right. Jackson look slow, and Adoree <laughs> Jackson is not slow by any stretch. But there was a play where Jackson had him wrapped up and pushed him backwards, and then Tyreek Hill somehow got out of that and almost burned him to the sideline. And I, and I was just like, man, there's nobody that can run with Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, and Ryan Tannehill played a, played a decent game too. He only passed for 181 yards, but in that fourth quarter when they needed plays, he was able to make them. Uh, and he had 37 yards rushing. You can't uh, discount that. Uh, so... Yeah, you know, it it was a crazy game, especially that last four minutes. Um, but I think Tannehill is doing a, a pretty decent job for Titans, giving them some um, a spark at the quarterback position. And but obviously the, the story for the Titans was Derrick Henry with 188 rushing yards, and the Chiefs just couldn't stop him. Their run defense looked pretty bad with their run fits, their tackling. Uh, so that's going to be a major question mark for this team. Teams that can run the ball against them, especially uh, when it comes to playoff team, is going to give this uh, Chiefs defense a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's going to give them a ton of trouble. But as I watched this game, Ted, and you and I started to look, um, every time I just kept seeing Harrison Bucker run out there for the Kansas City Chiefs, yes, it's points, but the Chiefs are a better offense when they're scoring touchdowns. When you attempt five field goals and you go four or five on those field goals, because the last one of the game was blocked. So, um, to me, those are threes. 
right? So four times three, that equals 12. <laughs> so yeah, I know my math is pretty good for you, but, but honestly, that that's, that's real because 12 points, it just think about it. Had they scored four touchdowns when they got down, you know, near, um, into the red zone or across the 50 yard line, that could have been 28 because that's what happened. When you look at the Tennessee Titans on paper, or you watch the, the, the you look at the statistics of this game, the bigger thing is that you're like, oh, wow, uh, the, the the Titans, they didn't out, outgain him. Like, there was no specific game plan that was ran for me, Ted. It wasn't like they were going to play this ball control, possess the football. No. The Kansas City Chiefs had the ball for 37 minutes, right, compared to the 22. So you're like, okay, so what happened? It was that the Tennessee Titans, they scored touchdowns. They just made the plays, and they got a turnover, return that for a touchdown, the fumble um, that they uh, they got recovered by uh, Evans, who took it in for the touchdown. And so you saw that they gave up yards. And I've said this a lot, you know, doing college football, and I really believe this, Ted. Some guys you just are not going to contain. You're just not. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to get his. You can't be like, man, let's try to contain him. No, he's going to get his yards. But you know what, fellas? I would preach to my defense. Let's just get stops. We can't. We got to get interceptions, right? We, we got to find a way to get takeaways and just make a stop. These guys are going to score. But, man, if we get one stop, just one takeaway to get it back to our offense, if we get them just a punt on this series, hey, they can get 30, 40 yards, get three or four first downs on this series. But at the end of it, are they kicking a field goal or are they punting? That's all we care about. If they're not scoring touchdowns, we've done our job. And that's what Tennessee did. I think that's what Mike Vrabel, the head coach, preached to his guys. He really had to because I think when you look at it overall, the offense, they (laughs) – Mike Vrabel didn't allow, I think, Brian Tannehill to throw the football. I think he had, like, at one point, as I was watching, he had nine passes almost going into, like, the fourth quarter, I believe. Like not like think about that nine passes like Patrick Mahomes has nine passes in the first quarter alone. And here we are going into the third quarter and Ryan Tannehill has only nine pass attempts. But because they made it a point to say, you know what, we're going to run the football. And you mentioned Derrick Henry, who you know, no one wanted to tackle him, but they made big plays in the run game. And they scored touchdowns. And I think that was the biggest takeaway that I had from watching it was that you knew the Chiefs were dominating in terms of yards, but yet every time I looked up, it was Tennessee who was making the big play and scoring the touchdown and not kicking the field goal. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of that had to do with Kansas City. Their O-line is kind of beat up, and their running back position is – they don't really have a star running back or a a really good running back. Uh, They've been giving the ball a lot to Damian Williams, and he's been playing good. Yeah, but what did you what did you think of the healthy scratch for uh, for Lashawn McCoy? Yeah, I, th- I thought that was I thought that was strange, especially I, you know I think it happened really kind of last second too. Um, but I think that they didn't really trust his ball security that much. And uh, you know, in the past when Shady would do all his strange things in the backfield and you know reverse <laughs> field and all that the Shady antics, yes, <laughs> yeah, you know that was fine back then when he was making big plays. But you know when he He's fumbling the ball and he's losing yards and causing negative plays at, at his older age. Um, I, you know, I don't think Andy Reid could put up with that. So uh, I, I think they wanted to give you know, Davey Williams not like a super flashy running back, but he, he he'll make the right plays. 
but but even he he fumbled. He he's the one I believe he's the one who fumbled and had that one returned for a touchdown. Um, so um, they they have some things to figure out at the running back position right now, and obviously that offensive line needs to get healthy uh, because. Mahomes is he's not 100% healthy either so if he's getting hit too much that's just not um, a good formula for the Chiefs right now uh, but they were clearly the better team I thought they were the better team against in this game but uh, the Titans found a way to win this game um, and the Titans yeah they're, they're not the best team in the league but at, on any given Sunday they could beat any team in the league they, they just have that kind of weird ability to uh, upset teams um, this year well, they have a belief, right? And they got to have a guy who's a former player and their head coach, you know, Mike Brable, who just says, look, just give us an opportunity where every play matters, whether it's the last field goal of the game, whether it's the first punt of the game. He just instills in those guys that everything matters. I thought Mahomes, like we talked about, had a great return uh, to the lineup, you know, 446 yards and three touchdowns. He looked sharp. But I think, like you mentioned, one thing that we're going to have to watch is this offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs over the next couple of weeks. And then also, too, Ted, moving forward, I did see that Emmanuel Agba, uh, their defensive end, he went out for the season. I believe he tore a pectoral. He had a sack in the game. So now he's out in this one. So now this defense, which people have already said could be the Achilles heel for this team, now is down one of their pass rushers to go along with obviously Frank Clark, who's told people <laughs> that he's been playing with something going on in his head. I mean, in, in uh, some nerve damage or whatever he's talking about going on, um, getting chills down his, uh, his back. So I, I think more so now you're seeing some, some key areas for them, which is along the defensive front and the offensive front that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to deal with. That's to me is very concerning and right now, it's crazy to think, but they're right there with the Raiders in terms of, you know, that's this AFC West right there into the in the grass. So anything can happen, especially if they don't get those fixed. Yeah, and the Raiders have two pretty easy games coming up with the Bengals and Jets. So uh, they might be they might be seven four by the time that um, they end up playing the Chiefs. I uh, uh, the Chiefs on December first. So mm, yeah. um, that's something to watch out for circling these dates circling mm-hmm. these dates but uh we move to our next game uh that we're going to re- review from last week this was the sunday night game i think a lot of people watched it you've already heard from me that a guy to me elevated himself into my mvp talk and dalvin cook but the minnesota vikings they go into dallas they win a night game yes kirk cousins won a prime time game ted you guys fought your off tonight okay you fought your off it wasn't always pretty there's a lot of good though right fourth and five stop when they got the ball down in there but the thing i'm most proud of is the way that we competed if you compete like that every single day we'll continue to get better and we'll continue to win a hell of a lot of games uh, the Vikings win 28-24. They beat the Cowboys. Cowboys now 5-4, and four, um, but still on top of their division. I don't know how that happens, but the of the NFC East. But uh, I'll start here just a little bit before I hand it over to you, Ted. Um, when, when you hear that the Cowboys lose, right, and, bef- and, and people are going to say, whoa, how did Dak play? And the first thing I'm going to say is Dak played amazing. I mean, Dak was great. Dak, to me, looked like, uh, I'm not calling them the elite-level quarterback, but, man, you saw this guy really, I think he took a step to a point where you need Dak more than you need Zeke. 
you know, and I, I thought that this was this was the game that kind of showed me that, you know, I think over the last this, this full season, so many people kept saying, well, we've seen what Dak looks like without Ezekiel Elliott. And I said, well, I've seen what Dak looked like without capable wide receivers. And I see when he has receivers, this is the output that I get. Don't get me wrong. Ezekiel Elliott is a great weapon to have. But when you when he's only getting you 47 yards, okay, when he's not doing anything else, well, I need a quarterback that's going to push the ball down the field or move this offense. That's what Dak Prescott did on Sunday. And I thought he did it well. He got everybody involved. It was getting to Witten. I mean, those passes to Amari Cooper along the sideline, um, you know, just the, the toe taps. Uh, Randall Cobb has been, to me, uh, another guy who's now coming on, he found his role within this offense. Ted, I was more impressed in this loss with the Cowboys offense um, than I was with the offense of the Minnesota Vikings uh, with Kirk Cousins leading it. Kirk Cousins got outplayed by, by by Dak Prescott. And so you look at the kind of contract that, that Kirk Cousins got, and I'm looking at Dak and say he's every bit worth that, maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Dak played an amazing game. I thought it was one of the best games I've ever, ever seen Dak play. I agree. Um, the Vikings, are they have a very good defense. They, they were able to shut down Ezekiel Elliott, so he didn't have the run game to lean on. And it was up to him to run the show. And he just looks so much more comfortable with the line of scrimmage, uh, checking, adjusting, seeing blitzes. Uh, he spread the ball around. Amari Cooper had 147 yards. Randall Cobb had 106 yards and a touchdown. Made that amazing fingertip catch in the back of the end zone. Gallup had, had 76 yards. Uh, so, so, yeah, Prescott played extremely well. I mean, uh, obviously you wanted to see him kind of finish that, that comeback at the end there, um, but um, again, he, he played a great game. You can't really put that loss on him, um, but the, it just kind of shows you how well-rounded the Vikings are. Um, they, I don't think they're elite in one area, maybe besides the defensive line, but they're they're very good in, in multiple areas. They, they were able to win this game without Thielen. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is, is very good. I don't think that he's gonna be winning too many games uh, for the Vikings on his own, but uh, he doesn't need to. Um, they have, a, they, like you said, they have Dalvin Cook. They have a very strong running game. They have a strong defense. Um, so on, you know, any given Sunday, they could beat you in a multiple, multiple different ways. Um, so I, I like this Vikings team a lot, and um, it, it was a great Sunday night game. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I thought the defense. Uh, for Minnesota, you know, stepped up in some big moments too. You know, they played well when they really needed to to get some stops down at the end. Um, I talked about Dalvin Cook a, a bunch, just him in, in terms of his, um, you know, his receiving ability too. I know a lot of times we talk about him rushing the football, but I just, I love his screen game, him in the screen game. And he reminded me a lot of Zeke uh, in, in games and years prior because that was Zeke Elliott. You know, you give him a screen and he turns – you know, this little five yard or sorry, this behind the scrimmage play, he turned into a 14, maybe even a 50 yard play. That's what Dalvin Cook is bringing to me. And I'm loving watching, uh, you know, where they're at right now. But I, I think the bigger story out of this, hey, Minnesota, they won a primetime game with Kirk Cousins. That feels good. But I think the, the one so the, the, the bigger thing for me 
is that I just really saw a changing of the guard, right? And for all the people who watch the memes out there, or not even the memes, the uh, the, the gifs of, uh, or the videos of Dak Prescott and his warm up, you know, opening up the hip and dancing around. It wasn't necessarily a dance, but him opening up that hip and and and, and warming up for the game. I, I just see a a quarterback man that you know what I would love for him to lead my team. And watching him on Sunday night, man, I just I got I was really impressed. And I think that he showed not only the people in Dallas, but I think the NFL, that this is a guy who you want to uh, be here long term. And so I think he earned he's earned that contract. And I think even the bigger part is that he's not even it's never been a situation where he's throwing people under the bus, whether it's the play calling down at the end where they run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. Like, no, nah, just put it on me now. I think this is the, the where Keller Moore has to put the put the game in Dak's hands a little bit. And so, you know what, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down with our guy, our signal caller. That's the way it should be. So uh, that that was our, our, our second game that we reviewed. And our, our third game, I think, was the game of the week. It was the one in which I could not wait to watch. I was waiting all weekend. I said, wow, because we had some good games throughout the weekend, Ted. I mean, you know, I was on the college football slate. I actually had a 59-51 SMU-ECU game that just had scoring all over the place. And so when the NFL slate came around for uh, for Sunday, obviously you look at the games and you're like, wow. But after it was over and you know, watching Minnesota and Dallas, I'm like, wait, we got one more. We got one more game this week. Seattle, San Francisco. That's a really good team and they play good football in, in a lot of ways. And, and uh, that's why they've been, you know, haven't been beaten until now. So it's a good, good step forward for us. I would tell you that we need these games. We need to play in these tough situations. We need to play teams like this on the road, uh, all the way down to the nub and, and all that it takes to get that done. It makes us better. Sorry. Um, I'm not getting choked up. I'm just choked up. <laughs> because I think everybody still wanted to see is San Francisco for real. Like the record. Eight and no, yeah, that's cool, but are they for real? I think that's what people wanted to know: is this team for real? And we got our answer on Monday night. I think they're a good team, San Francisco 49ers. They're a real team, but man, the Seattle Seahawks came in and they took care of business. They win 27-24. They win in overtime on a last-second field goal uh, by them by Jacob uh, by Myers. And Ted, did you, did you, did you, I'm trying to figure it out. Did you learn anything in watching this game or what did we learn about both teams? Uh, I think that they are still a legit contender. Obviously one loss doesn't change that. And they're with, without George Kittle, who might be one of their best players. Obviously he's their best player on offense. Um, and they're, they were also without Emmanuel Sanders for most of the game. He had a rib injury, had to leave the game. And, um, Early on, Sanders made some plays. Um, I, I think with Garoppolo, he's it's a little worrisome, but I don't think that it, it's time to panic. He didn't have much help from his offensive line. J, Javion Clowney just wrecked that offensive line. Receivers were dropping passes. And there's only a handful of quarterbacks in the league that, that can really overcome not getting much help from your offensive line and receivers. And obviously the guy across from... Uh, the, the other sideline, Russell Wilson, is one of them. Uh, but Garoppolo is just not quite there yet. And I, I think that's okay for this Niner team because they have such a strong defense. And as they get healthy, I think they'll be a lot better offensively. Um, but 
yeah, Garoppolo just didn't play that well tonight, but I, I don't think it's time to panic for the Niners. Um, well, see, I, I go a little bit different because I think that they should start to panic. I think that this was a game. This was that measuring stick. For me, Seattle, I, I know what Seattle is. This is a battle-tested team. Um, maybe some new cast of characters, right? Some new guys on the team, but you still got Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright on the defense. You still got Russell Wilson on that offense. And you've got guys who've got playoff experience. You've got guys who've been in a situation before. And you have Russell Wilson, who I've said before, people would ask me all the time, if you had one quarterback in the fourth quarter or two minute, who would you have? And I said, right, give me Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers, over Tom Brady, over all these. Because to me, Russell Wilson is just different, man. He's just different. Um, and he, this is how I know that he's different, right? I free, um, who was I talking to? It was a couple. This is this is this is this is this is real, Mike. So I forgot who I was talking to at the time. I want to say it was it might have been what it was. That's who it was. It was Gary Anderson, um, who I just saw the other day. He was the head coach when he was um, was it Gary? No, I got to figure out. I got who I was talking to, but I think it was maybe the SID. But it was just the, the the Russell Wilson story, and so this is the story that I got. So I remember they said Russell Wilson, they get it's like the first practice and he's a starter at Wisconsin. And Russell Wilson is in the huddle with the offense and they get ready to, you know, run some plays. And it's like a little walkthrough. Actually, yeah, it was a walkthrough. And Russell Wilson, every time he would call the play, he would break the huddle and he would look up to the left into the bleachers. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's just Russell Wilson. But he kept doing it every single play. And so the coach finally says, hey, Russ, you know, I've been watching you, you know, getting out of the huddle and just making sure your focus is still there. I see that you every time you break the huddle, you kind of look up over there to the left, you know, what's what's going on with you? He was like, oh, nothing, coach. That's where, that's where the, the play clock's going to be at, right? And the coach just looks at him like, like, what? <laughs> Like, what quarterback is thinking? Like, we're in practice, yet he's already training his eyes on where to go after I call the huddle, where I call the play, where do I look at to locate the play clock? It's those types of things that that have been, you know, stories that I've heard and I've I've, uh, I've learned about Russell Wilson, that that dude is just different. And so when it comes to a fourth quarter and when it comes to an overtime, I, I, I put my trust in him that when they get into situations like this, as they get better as a team, as they're at Josh Gordon, right? As Colin Lock- uh, Tyler Lockett, sorry, uh, comes back from from his possible injury, as they start to figure out the tight end situation, DK Metcalf, their running game. To me, this is just a scary team who I don't have any questions about. But when I look at the 49ers, I have a ton of questions because this was the first game that I wanted to see how would they be? How would they play? How would they react? And, you know, for the most part, in the beginning of the game, they got out to, you know, a nice little start. You know, they made some plays and you're like, oh, this is this looks different. But then once the game went away, that little 21 unanswered by Seattle, that to me was uh, was very concerning because the 49ers just didn't really have anything going. Now, to to kind of your point, they had no George Kittle. They had no Emmanuel Sanders, but still Jimmy Garoppolo 
didn't make some plays that I needed him to make in order to win this game. The 49ers should have won. And I'm not even talking about the field goal kicking. I'm just talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. He should have made some plays to where you're saying, man, in, 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 in fourth quarter and overtime, I just didn't see it. And people are going to bank on that, saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but he's just not ready to lead a team to a championship. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, if the teams aren't totally healthy um, and things are kind of at an even level between Russell Wilson and Garoppolo, it's not a contest. I mean, you just, you saw how many plays that Wilson was able to make and uh, Garoppolo made some plays too, but like you said, he just didn't make enough of them. And um, I think one thing that does kind of give Garoppolo an advantage is I, I do believe a lot in Kyle Shanahan and his his ability to game plan. Obviously, yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, and, and you know, Schottenmeyer's uh, he's a good coach too. But I just think Shanahan's on a, on another level. Uh, so you, I think if you give him another chance to um, to kind of scheme against the Seahawks defense, he'll he'll um, come up with a, an, some more adjustments and a better game plan against the Seahawks defense. Um, so that that's the one thing Garoppolo has in, in his corner. Um, but it was it was a great game. It was, it was probably one of the best games of the season. And I you know this team these two teams could potentially see each other in the playoffs again. Um, so I it's kind of cool to see this Niners and Seahawks rivalry kind of uh, rekindle itself. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Re- rekindle um, because it was fun to see. Like it just, you just knew it meant more, right? You saw some great plays by some great players, right? Bobby Wagner mm-hmm. was, you know, making plays. I mentioned KJ Wright as well. Those two guys dropped interceptions. You know what could have been yeah. for them, um, but man, th- there's just some individual players who, to me, are like okay. Um, we we've said his name a couple times, even on on this podcast, run the film with Ted Nguyen, Kirk Morrison. But Emmanuel Mosley is playing his way into the starting lineup, right? Akella Weatherspoon is out, we know, uh, the opposite corner of Richard Sherman. But it's like Mosley, time after time after time, this kid has been playing lights out. And it's I'm, I'm sitting here like this defense is getting much better. The one thing I would say about this defense, Ted, that front four, in the first quarter, two quarter, three quarter, they 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 played with a, an intensity, but at some point there was like that lull in the game where that that pressure just wasn't getting there. Like you couldn't, they they didn't have something right. They didn't have the change up, and then Russell Wilson decided to say, you know what, at the right time when the pocket collapsed, go out there and be the magician that he is. Gets out of the pocket, converts on the third on a third down late in the game. And that, that to me, is where the 49ers have to learn how to close. And that's what concerns me. So people say, what's the big concern with the 49ers? Well, and I'm not calling them losers. That's not what I'm saying here. But this roster is a ton of guys who have not lost any, I mean, who have not really been in meaningful NFL football games. Now you bring in Emmanuel Sanders, he's won a Super Bowl, right? Tevin Coleman has played in a Super Bowl. But really, outside of that, this roster is pretty much built up with the same players who have been here. And so this is their first time of getting used to winning football, Ted. Like, winning just feels good. It's crazy to think someone said, oh, your first loss in the NFL yesterday to Nick Bosa. And I'm like, wow, he had never lost a game in the NFL. 
But how does he bounce back from that now? Or how do some of these guys move forward now that, hey, they're, you know, you lost a game because now people are going to attack you and say, what didn't you do or what's going to happen? Because I look at that, I look at their schedule moving forward, Ted, and you tell me it doesn't look fun. And I, I threw this out there the other day and I, you tell me, I think that this is a 12 and four football team. I honestly believe that. I think the Niners, I know they had off to a great start, but they're a 12 and four football team. Cause I look at their final seven games, Ted. Okay. Cardinals, Packers, Ravens, Saints. We saw the Falcons beat up the Saints yesterday. So they're on there as well. And then you got the Rams and Seahawks and Seahawks in week 17. <sighs> That's seven games that woo, I can easily see them losing just three of them. And three of them puts them at 12 and four, right? Like just three of them. They can go four and three down the stretch, which would be amazing against that gauntlet of teams, right? Packers and Ravens, Saints, you know, Seahawks and Rams. If they lost three, that still will put them at 12 and four. So to me, I'm that, that's what I learned more about this team is that they're going to have to learn how to close a game like that out, especially at home. Because if they don't know how to close, that's going to be a difficult thing for them to have to learn down the stretch. No, you're right. This is, this is a young team and experience matters. And I, I think it's actually good for them to have these really hard slate of games coming up because um, it's going to really test them and it's going to give them some experience in the, those tough games. And it, it might end up being a, a good thing for their playoff run. Yeah, <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. But now, Ted, it's time to preview week number 11 in the National Football League. Um, first, we'll go with a couple games, three games that we'll just look kind of more in depth. And then we go with our rapid fire where just the first thing that comes to your mind. You just tell me what you think. But but the first three games that we uh, we want to preview for this week, I think we go a couple minutes on each. But I, I just want the Houston Texans. They go to Baltimore to take on the, the, the Baltimore Ravens. No greater challenge than Deshaun Watson, right at the top. Throwing the ball extremely well. He's tremendous poise in the pocket. He's seeing the field. And he's really hard to get down. You know, he's really hard to get down. He's strong and he's elusive. So it just all plays into it. You know, we're going to have to do a great job of the way we rush the quarterback, a great job of how we cover their really good receivers. It's just a big challenge with their offense. They run the ball well. They got a heck of a back. It's Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. This is a, a, a something I probably would, didn't wouldn't have thought in the beginning of the year that we have a battle of the two MVP hopefuls this week. But I, I think Ted, for me, the one thing I do want to see is I want to see this run game, obviously for Baltimore and how it's going to attack the Houston defense. I know Romeo Cornell is going to have to find something to try to stop these guys, but when now. I'm seeing Mark Ingram going and then throwing in the added element of having Lamar being able to get out of the pocket or be able to run the read option. But then the, the crazy thing is for me to see them throw all three of them out there. Now, maybe that was just because they want to put it on tape, but to put three Heisman winners in a backfield with Robert Griffin, the third Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, that to me was just them trying to be cute and make defense have to worry about something else that they probably uh, weren't thinking about. But I, I'm looking forward to this matchup because I also want to see how much healthier that possibly I look at Houston. If they get you know Will Fuller back, if now they get Kenny Stills going now, 
And now that you already know about DeAndre Hopkins, they get the run game going. This offensive line, I want to see how much better this offense looks for Houston going into this week. Yeah, um, I think Deshaun Watson just plays so much better with Will Fuller in the lineup. I know we, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, so this is going to be like almost like a college game because you have two offenses that really embrace the whole spread college concepts to take advantage of their athletic quarterbacks. Uh, so it's going to be a really fun matchup. And I think I think part of the reason why they put uh, Archie 3 in the backfield against the Bengals, because like you said, they, they want to get that play on film. They, they ran an option play where they pitched, uh, they, they they faked the ball to Mark Ingram and then they pitched it, or they it was an option where uh, he pulled it from Mark Ingram and then pitched it to Archie 3. I think they wanted to put that on film against the Bengals to set up maybe an RG3 double pass off of the pitch yeah. against uh, the Texans. <laughs> Uh, so we might see that, uh, but this is a really fun schematic matchup for guys that um, like that college game, like a more wide open attack that uh, with some more creative runs. Uh, so I'm really excited to watch this. Yeah, the, the creative runs, right? The exotics, because I think that's what's going to be. And then uh, the defense, Baltimore Ravens defense, man, one of the better defenses in the NFL, led by uh, Don Wink Martindale. I always got to give him a shout out, man. My my guy taught me so much about football. Was my first linebacker coach in the NFL, and um, you know, watching those guys play, uh, and Earl Thomas, the way that he's really helped out this defense tremendously. You know, you lose, you know, Zadarius Smith, you you lose uh, Terrell Suggs, you lose some guys. And yet this defense is still playing at a high clip. Even Tony Jefferson, the safety, he goes down, and yet they are still playing and flying around. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, I, I don't even want to pick it because I think this is going to be just too, too uh, a, a big giant slugfest. So I'll hold that one off. Um, the, the next game, though, this, this is a fun one. The New England Patriots, they travel to Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, Ted. A couple years later, we get a chance to play the organization again. We've had a lot of changes. They've had a lot of changes. You know, it's totally different circumstances. Uh, hopefully, everyone got a chance to, you know, decompress a little bit mentally, physically. And now, you know, we got to get ready for a great week of preparation and then get ready to go in there and try to play our best game of the season on the road in a really tough environment. And uh, it should be a great uh, Sunday afternoon for football. This is a this is one of those games where you got to think the Patriots coming off of a bye, getting things fixed, figuring out who they are, and then moving forward. This is where they turn it up a notch, right? The the volumes probably I got fifty percent. They're turning it up to a hundred. They're cranking it all the way up um, because they just know that it's it's go time. And that eight and one to me they feel they haven't played their best football. That's crazy to think because they were at such a great pace defensively, but I could see it offensively. They have not played, I think, up to the standard that I wish the, that they think that they should be playing at. And then on the other opposite side, the Philadelphia Eagles at five and four sitting right now um, outside of the playoffs. The, now, now they're because they lost to the Cowboys, so they don't own the tiebreaker right now. But this is a, an interesting game. See, if, if Philadelphia loses this one, their playoff hopes are, you know, take a real big shot. New England, on the other hand, like I said before, this is where they start to put their foot on the gas, Ted. And that's why I'm looking forward to this matchup, uh, like you mentioned before, of two teams that played just uh, a season ago in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, it's going to be both teams are coming off bye weeks and, and both teams really have to start making a run here. Um 
Last week, the the page or the Patriots gave up 210 yards to the Ravens' um, offense r- rushing. So, and, and the Eagles kind of found their identity with rushing the ball. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if the the Patriots actually could fix their run defense and if the Eagles' uh, rushing offense is real. Um, so there, there's a bunch of little interesting things happening in this game, um, and we'll, we'll see. Like like you said. That both teams had a week to adjust, so I'm excited to see what they come out with. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if they come out to me. Um, if the Patriots, you know, obviously Muhammad Sanu, you know, if they let go of Josh Gordon. So we saw that Josh Gordon is now with the uh, Seattle Seahawks, so he's no longer a part of that team. So it's interesting. How do they use Muhammad Sanu? Is he going to be a guy that they try to stretch the field a little bit more, or is he going to be a guy that they try to, you know, more so keep um, zero to 15? Um, Does this help out Julian Edelman a little bit more? How's the run game? Like so many questions with this team offensively, defensively. Uh, the Patriots defense, we already know. As long as they're not playing Lamar Jackson, I don't have a worry <laughs> at all about this Patriots defense. But I think Philadelphia, um, it, it's a little bit more. Because we're trying to figure out what's going to be the second half identity for the Eagles. It's just more about getting healthy. They don't have Deshaun Jackson, who was supposed to be their guy this year. In terms of stretching the defense, he won't be able to do that. He's on IR, right, with a core muscle. I believe he had surgery. And so that's going to be my thing for the second half with Philadelphia. What is going to be their identity that can help them win right now, especially the only way they're going to get in is winning the division. So they got to keep pace with the Cowboys. So they're going to be the biggest uh, cheerleaders for whoever the Cowboys are playing um, down the stretch. Yeah, and I think um, it's going to be a tough game, obviously, for Philadelphia. They're going to be going into uh, – well, actually, is it's a home game. For it's a home game, right? yeah. It's going to be at yeah, the link. Yeah. yeah, at the link. Seeing Tom Brady come to the link, that's going to be fun. That's yeah. going to be fun. So, I mean, the, the two biggest things for them is they're going to have to rush the ball with some consistency because, like you said, their passing attack is not going to be great without a guy that can stretch the field, and especially against that New England secondary and, and pass rush. So they're going to have to run the ball. And um, defensively, they, they have the defensive line to be able to get, get after Tom Brady a little bit. So they, they do have a chance in this game. Um, so I, th- I think it will be a good one. Yeah, and then the last game, just here to preview um, before we get into our rapid-fire game I'll be at. I can't wait to see. This is a game that last year when it actually took place, the Rams and the Bears. So now here we are, four and five. We can only worry about the Rams, who's a tough a tough football team. But I love how our guys are believing in each other, and they're, they're like, bring it on. They like it, and, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's a part of who we are. The Rams were kind of exposed by Khalil Mack, that defense. They never really were the same throughout the rest of the season. People questioned about Ty Gurley, the play calling, what's up with the Rams. Now, they ended up recovering. They went on to the Super Bowl, we know. But it all started against this Bears defense. And then you flip it on the other side. What's up with this Bears, not defense, but the quarterback situation? Mitch Trubisky last week played you know, decent enough. They ended up beating the Detroit Lions. So I think people are saying all is well. But we're going to get a chance to see two teams that are playing for their playoff line. These are two teams that won their divisions a year ago. And right now, I can feel very confident to say that, Ted, these two teams aren't winning their division in 2019. So we know that. But can these two teams make a playoff? I know Sunday night, this is going to be the first step of who feels they can get close enough to make it to the playoffs. How do you see this game playing out? 
Uh, I think the the Bears might end up winning this game just because. Mm. Um, I mean, you see, you saw how bad that um, that Rams offensive line performed against. Yeah. Um, the Steelers. I mean, that the Steelers D line just absolutely demolished them in that game. And and Goff is not a guy that's going to be you know running around, escaping, and and making plays out of structure that much. Um, and and the Bears obviously have a very good defensive line with Khalil Mack as well. And the Rams have some injuries against with that offensive line that's it's not going to help. Um, so I can see the the defensive the Bears defensive line having a really good game against the Rams and giving them trouble. Um, and but offensively, the Bears have major concerns. Obviously, Trubisky played a little bit better against Detroit, but Detroit has one of the worst defenses in the league and they only scored 20 against them um but uh i I, yeah i just think that trubisky might be able to make enough plays maybe use his his legs a little bit more to end up pulling this one out yeah i think so too i think the bears um definitely have a little bit more on the defensive side and the rams they lost brian allen their center he was already replacing john sullivan this season he's a so they have a second year center who's out for the year. They're already rotating guys. Rob Havenstein, their right tackle, he's going to miss some time as well, who's actually, Ted, been been just getting worked all season long. I mean, everyone's sending their best pass rusher to his side, and we saw it last week with T.J. Watt. Um, So he's had just not a a good year so far. So the Rams are going to shuffle this offensive line. So I think the one thing that I would tell you, and I would tell people listening, the one thing that I'm going to focus in on this game is going to be the Rams running attack. Because if you don't have the offensive line that you think can hold up in the past game, how does Sean McVay reinvent his offense? It's not going to be the bootlegs and the waggles as much, right? Because you have to establish the run. So you're going to have to get the ball to Ty Gurley, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. This is going to be fun to see what does Sean McVay cook up against the Chicago Bears team. If the Rams lose this one, um, you can almost kind of kiss the playoffs goodbye because San Francisco, Seattle, really distancing themselves in the a- I mean, in the NFC West to go along with, I think, the uh, you know Minnesota Vikings in the wild card, who are definitely a much better team than uh, some people may have saw in the beginning of the year. Yeah, and you know, when you, if you look at this matchup at the beginning of the year, you think, man, this is a good matchup. It's gonna be a, a, a good, t- a good game with two elite teams. But this is how quickly things change in NFL with uh, injuries and uh, things that you can't predict. For more exclusive NFL content, including players to watch, go to theathletic.com/runthefilm for a free seven-day trial and forty percent off subscription.